This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hey kids, do you like professional wrestling? Sometimes Chris and I like professional wrestling too. <laughs> this is Shake Them Rope. It is one of the many things that I do during a week. It is it is it is a come down period, I would say, uh this week after last week just being so absolutely frantic with news and, and things like that. This was just kind of a uh uh, kind of a chill week, but plenty of news to get to. I'll open up with something kind of semi-silly. The Wrestling Observer, the trade journal of the industry, coming out with their Hall of Fame vote uh, results. I know a few people in the Voices of Wrestling media network have votes on that, but uh, Kazuchika Okado, Los Brazos, Brazo de Oro, Brazo de Plata, and El Brazo, along with promoters Jim Crockett Jr. and Dino, and meeting the 70% voter th- or 60 percent i believe voter threshold sergeant slaughter and mystico coming up just short at 58 percent, i believe eh, two of those got two of those acts were death bumps i think I mean, jim crockett jr look i love me some jim crockett jr his dad deserves to be in any kind of hall of fame he's a little iffy <laughs> okada is because of how they do their but their... but like sergeant slaughter guys uh if if i might just stop for a moment here sergeant slaughter had a really solid career in the ring in the 70s and 80s but sergeant slaughter was really great at marketing this character up to and including gi joe sergeant slaughter was a character that was bigger than the world wrestling federation and didn't necessarily need the world wrestling federation to make like there was like a real symbiotic relationship between the sergeant slaughter act and wwf and it not quite at the level of hulkamania or whatever especially because sarge was often presented as a heel but uh it was up there. Uh, this guy should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah, <laughs> not, not not given not given the criteria that they do it for him, which is why I think. Look, in my opinion on all halls of fame, no matter what, is get all the journalists and media out of it. Just let the people who are involved in the industry vote, because I think the journalists and the historians and things like that really, really get there. I'm a gatekeeper for the. <laughs> instead of just being more inclusive they, they they're the people who want to keep you out of the club and i think that's a problem with all halls of fame to be honest with you well it's not all very good well why not you know if somebody played for 17 years and wasn't that great necessarily but you know let the lasting mark out put them in a hall of fame let people learn about him instead I, get- I mean i just think that like if you look at a guy like macho man randy savage as a hall of fame level act i'm it's sarge is like just a notch below that in terms of like public awareness in the oh. mid to late 80s yeah i i i mean i think his 70s resume is stronger than his 80s resume i agree but you me, sum but... you sum all those together yeah you, he has I a do. strong you have a strong in-ring career in the 70s and then he has um a, a big pop culture saturation in the 80s that that counts to me yeah i i've said before i think there's some very strong issues with how sometimes even dave where they put the candidates like Steve Williams, I, I've, I've made it known here. I don't think Steve Williams belongs in the Hall of Fame because he was hidden in Japan. So you have a, like a small pond, big fish type of thing. And then the stuff, 
his mediocre stuff in America doesn't get dinged against him. And I thought that was a favor to somebody, but overall my, my point on halls of fame, rock and roll hall of fame, baseball hall of fame, football hall of fame, get anybody who wasn't a player or an era or in the industry out that that's my basic thing. I don't know how you feel about that. Like, how do you feel about the I, I just hall don't really care about hall of fame. Yeah. So and you should I, do I, I, no, I, I mean, it's just not a, a very and, high and, valence. And that's why journalists care about them so much is because they're made to be important in those halls of fame selection committees and stuff. This is where, oh, I have the power here. <laughs> and you're just like, dude, it's just supposed to be fun. People had great careers. Why don't you just honor them, jerks? Anyways, <laughs> uh, might be might be projecting a few things on Peter King there, uh, CNN, former CNN Sports Illustrated writer. Uh, news and notes, uh, MLW suing WWE. They was reading from aforementioned wrestling observer filed a lawsuit on January 11th against world wrestling entertainment, claiming intentional interference and contractual relations or intentional interference with contractual relations, internet or intentional interference with prospective economic relations and violation of section two of the Sherman antitrust act. Lawsuit was filed in the U.S. District Court in Northern California, cited egregious efforts by WWE to destroy MLW by unlawfully interfering with MLW's access to media markets and wrestling talent. The Cliff Notes version of this is that there were two deals that it appears that WWE stuck their fingers in, the first being on Vice TV during the initial run of Dark Side of the Ring. Vice wanted to follow up on their ratings with a one-hour wrestling show, and MLW got to be broadcast once and then uh apparently it looked like there was some pressure from somebody to tell them to take that one off the air they're thinking that possibly a and e because of their relationship with vice and also their relationship with doing documentaries with wwe the other deal that uh, is cited in the filing won't bore you with it is with a company called tubi t-u-b-i who have a deal with fox and MLW and Tubi had a press release ready to go that was held off for like a day or a morning. And apparently Stephanie McMahon called expressing her displeasure because Tubi is, is part of the Fox family. And they, they basically, what the, what the lawsuit, uh, what the lawsuit accuses is basically that uh, WWE used its influence to get them off of there. And that there was, they tried to make a deal with Fight TV, but there was a fight executive who at the same time was working for WWE. I don't know about that one, but uh, Court Bauer, he's gotten himself a firm. The firm's not, uh, you know, it's not an ambulance chasing firm. It is a pretty good mid-sized law firm in San Francisco to run this. We'll see if WWE can get Jerry McDevitt to move their, move the uh, venue to Connecticut. That's going to be the first move here, Chris. Yeah, it seems like there's a there's a couple of questions here, Jeff. Um, obviously, you've got the two different issues here. You have the one with MLW, and then you have the one with the, the Fox affiliate. And so uh, the first question, of course, is the one involving Tubi. And the second question is not Tubi. <laughs> and so you know, the real question I, here I didn't is... didn't even see that joke coming, Tubi and I or and or Tubi, not Tubi. <laughs> Hate you i hate you because i <laughs> see that joke coming and i did oh that was so good uh <laughs> yeah it's one of those things where it's like uh i ask people okay are you surprised <laughs> I, I are we surprised i lived through wwe strong arming 
cable companies when it came to Crockett trying to grow and go nationwide. The whole reason for the Survivor Series was to get Starcade off of cable systems. The whole reason for the Royal Rumble, the first Royal Rumble was on USA Network on the same night as the Bunkhouse Stampede Finals for Crockett. This is crap that, this is how Vince made his bread and butter. The, the WWE went after the UFC when the UFC was trying to expand by telling, they used to have deals with arenas and said, you cannot make deals with these other wrestling companies and you can't run MMA there. But like, we'll- more seriously, isn't it weird how like randomly aggressive WWE has been? While AEW is coming in and actually meaningfully scooping up market share. Yeah. Like they, they're, they're putting resources into apparently trying to squelch MLW, who I, I mean... I think outside of people who maybe regularly listen to wrestling podcasts, no one knows who's in MLW exactly. right now. Yeah, like an MLW show. <laughs> I running barely know who's in MLW. I, I, yeah, I like Port Power a lot. So, yeah, uh, it's, I mean, you know, there's a lot of question marks in my head right now. Uh, so I, I, it's very strange to me how WWE's chosen this battleground versus an approach of acquiescence towards AEW. It makes it makes their disposition towards that company even more perplexing. We'll see if they settle out of court in three years because that's what's going to happen is they're going to ask for continuances. I mean, hell, we still have the Oliver Luck thing still going on with the XFL, and it's just because of continuances and discovery and all these other things. So if they have something, WWE will eventually settle out of court because that's what's going <laughs> to That's what they always do. They're never going to take it to the judge if they, if they think they're going to lose. So anyways, uh, another report, the elimination chamber, which may be changed to the WrestleMania chamber scheduled for the Saudi show in February that we reported last week. Chris looks like uh, Saudi Arabia is getting their own WrestleMania. Yeah, man. Can't wait. Um, I, I think, this is the show that's finally going to bring cultural progress to the nation. Six people who don't want to take hard bumps after doing an 18 hour plane ride. They're doing the elimination chamber, the match that hurts more people. And is the most potential to screw up your WrestleMania card. But you got to know your audience. You got to know who you're working towards. Yeah. The elimination chamber, you, I think it ever, really hold works. Hold on. I got to cut you off right there. Have you ever watched one of these Saudi shows and watched how, little that audience cares about the show they are there for a night at the circus that's all they're there for. They, i mean look that's not a rowdy bunch that's not a, a those, those are families on picnics for the most part watching these shows and oh they're there to see the i, I mean like on uh, a real note like yes i i agree it's it's even more than that right like i think for the people who are able to afford to go to these wwe events in saudi arabia it's a mark of status and so like no no one is passionate about this no one is there for the quality of work i I mean so in this sense the elimination chamber beyond like the aggressiveness of it or maybe maybe working for the crowd i think it also serves in terms of spectacle it's a wonderful format for smoke and mirrors like if you want to do fireworks explosions whatever sort of gimmick crap um that audience is going to lap that stuff up Still, though, this is this is the show where everybody says, I'm just so tired after this flight. And they do the they do the show immediately. And this this match, they finally have kind of safetyed the chamber a little bit after after years. But still, I, I <laughs> why do they do this? Why do they put this match between Rumble and Mania? It's just the dumbest thing ever. And, well, it's time for the elimination. No. 
do do it. They could do this in December when nobody gives a crap. <laughs> it, it's interesting to me, though, that WWE chose to play coy on this in terms of this announcement, um, not just for like the commentary. You wonder how long the boys knew about this uh, trip to Saudi Arabia coming up. They were probably looking at the calendar just like we were maybe as recently as December and thinking, oh, cool. We're doing Royal Rumble. Then we're doing WrestleMania and like we're not doing Elimination Chamber this year. And now it's like a double whammy. Uh, not only are you doing Elimination Chamber, you're doing Elimination Chamber in Saudi Arabia. Allow me to take my victory lap. New report. I believe Fightful broke this one first, giving credit where credit is due. The NXT creative team to now report to Bruce Pritchard and Christine Lubrano. <laughs> if you... If you geez, Pritchard. Uh, <laughs> Pritchard's creative instincts aren't my thing. I'm just going to say that and I'm going to move on. Anything you got? Um, the less Bruce Pritchard, the better. Yeah, I mean, look, I think he has ideas, but I think he's a guy that needs a filter, and he if he doesn't get it, then it's like not good filters. Interesting report about a certain talent, Corey Graves, reportedly cleared to return to in ring action earlier in the week. Uh, I was a go between for certain news source and and the company. And uh, it's it was it was interesting that uh, that the report was that uh, Corey Graves was pitching ideas and uh, uh, nobody had heard about this other than maybe Vince and Bruce. Uh, I look, Corey Graves, pretty good on commentary. I'll give him that. But that's what this is going to be. I, everybody's like, well, where are you going to put him on the card? Blah, 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 blah. I don't think he's coming back to wrestle full time. I think he's got he might be in the rumble. He might do a couple of 24 seven things, but they never saw anything in him to bring him up to the main roster when he was in NXT in the first place. I don't think Vince has ever even seen him wrestle before. So it's one of those things where I think people are getting a little bit way too ahead of themselves. I, I am. I'm of the opinion that all three of the color commentators are going to be in this rumble in some aspect between McAfee Saxton and Corey Graves. But I think Corey and, 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 uh, Byron are going to do something related to the 24 seven title within the realm of the, of the Royal rumble, you know, that in late teens comedy spot type of thing. But I don't think Corey Graves is coming back to be a full-time member of the roster in any way. I mean, even if he did his biggest values on the microphone, uh, I think Corey Graves as a full-time wrestler is like a better version of the Miz. It's like sort of like he's like a WWEified version of CM. Oh, Punk. don't say that! I knew that was coming. Everything. No, but like it's like it's like the Punk and Miz thing yeah. kind of combined. Like where it's like Punk watered down and kind of above Miz level ring work but not like that's how they'll try to use like yeah, at best at well, best at that's best, how they try to use him at best he gets a three-month run and he's on in the next set of cuts i think. But i i just i don't see i mean you know like that might actually be heed, the heed the warnings of austin aries of of uh matt uh not matt striker uh who who was the guy? Uh, Alex uh, Alex Riley. That's Alex the guy. Riley. Was it Alex yeah, Riley? Yeah. When, when they put you in the ring, it's actually never a good sign. It's one of those things where it's like, 
dude, people like you on commentary. You can have a gig here for life. Just, <laughs> or at least as long as, as possible. Just don't want to go back in the ring because you're on commentary because Vince won't, doesn't see you as a guy who can go to the ring. So it's, it's, uh, I don't know. It's one of those things where, where they'll, 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 they'll go, they'll take you out and they'll go, well, we can't put you back on commentary. Now you've been there and they'll just get ready. I just, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if this is a good idea in general. Um, company has tri- filed a trademark for the term as good as it gets to be used <laughs> in sports entertainment. I'm what Nickel said. <laughs> is that too arcane of a reference? No, it's not too arcane of a reference. Like, I, I, how do you not know that that was not just like a movie, but like <laughs> what are you? A, you you make me want to be a better man like 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 a movie that people like no quotes from um, go, go somewhere else we're all full up on crazy here like i could quote several lines oh my as god to... you're actually no lines from this movie yeah, yeah 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 go so crazy somewhere else we're all full up here like there's a number of like memorable lines from as good as it gets um <laughs> And, like, also, like, as good as it gets, sort of, like, it is written as a rye double entendre and said as a rye double entendre throughout the movie. I, number one, the one I know is that this is Greg Kinnear's ascent into, quote-unquote, legitimate acting from being the host of Talk Soup on E! and kind of being a, quote-unquote, failed comic. But, man, this just <laughs> this is like the Carrot Top story from Norm MacDonald and... Uh, Courtney Thorne Smith on 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 Conan. It's like, okay, we're gonna have. Let's see, we're gonna have Mella and Zelina Vega wrestle another match. Like they're 18th in a series. Ah, there it is. That's as good as it gets. <laughs> it's such a derivative term, but uh, just no. Never- yeah, no. It, it really lends itself to the negative connotation yeah. when you are doing bad and sort of requires you to perform at a certain level in order to really in order to really be as good as it gets i'm guessing this would just be a character's tagline yeah. rather than a whole company no no i think this is gonna i think there's gonna be a marketing campaign oh well then that, like that, for that's family this entertainment be, this is as good as it gets well then this is gonna be the fodder <laughs> of memes that they, 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 they should put that on a wrestler soon <laughs> For comedy and everything you want, in a, it might be the new Peacock slogan. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I'm just like, oh, this is just gonna give. Them I'm trouble. like picturing the memes right now. Like, it's too bad they don't have Sin Cara. Like, you could have like Sin Cara <laughs> botch, and then kind of like the Nike black and white thing underneath it says "as good as it gets." What's a what's a notoriously bad segment that's been on WWE TV of late? Oh, of late. They've all because they've all been kind of eh, meh. I wouldn't say they've been bad, but I mean just egregiously a bad. Eh, never mind. <laughs> this bit isn't gonna work, so let's move on. A hip hop compilation for Black History Month featuring AEW talent after Mark Henry confirmed the project in an interview. Yes, they're for yes, we're gonna have it. Oh, I had jokes for this one, but I'm not going to do it. But hey, I like uh, I like the idea of using the partnership with Warner Music and 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 other things for uh, brand expansion. If this is done well, great. If it's not, if it's if it's wrestlers doing music, 
then no, it's not going to be great. That's pretty much the summation of everything, isn't it, though? Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, I will never begrudge anyone for finding a way to get their content <laughs> we'll, out there. We'll hit row beyond the <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, to your point, look, uh, there are musicians who had dreams about being wrestlers, and I'm sure there are wrestlers who have dreams about being musicians. Oh, my goodness. And I think if, <laughs> if you really commit yourself to one or the other, you realize how difficult it is and how much of a difference there is between the dream and the reality. And how you should be good at one and just go with it as opposed to trying to do it all like actors have this same problem all actors want to be musicians all musicians want to be actors and both want to be directors and they're just like stick with what you're good at kids come on uh personnel things hikaru shida back to japan that was how they wrote her off uh probably for a little r and i don't think she's been back since the beginning of aew so and because of covid wasn't able to return either so she's getting some time off xavier woods tore his uh plant Muscle, it's a muscle connecting the calf and the ankle. He's scheduled to be out four to six weeks. Uh, he will miss the Royal Rumble. Tony Schiavone's two-year option picked up. Great pickup. Uh, Tony Schiavone has been a a welcome, welcome presence on this commentary team and just doing all things, I think. And, and his renaissance has been spectacular. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi re-signed with New Japan. Brody King, as we saw on Wednesday, is signed with All Elite. The Gorillas of Destiny premiered on Impact, and the PCO has also signed a deal with Impact. Saw him on the Hard to Kill ending on uh, Saturday. Uh, he, he's able to do indie dates with his. Any of these strike your fancy as something you need to comment on? Not really. Um, the Brody King debut, well, I guess we'll talk about when we talk about Dynamite. Eh, it was okay. Lazy River. You can yeah, hold it for yeah. that. Uh, Story that got a lot more play than probably should have. Eight ratings talk time as we trance. Uh, I don't know what the word I'm going to use here, but as we go to the lazy river, AEW Dynamite 969,000 and a 0.39 in the demo. The 0.39 in the demo tied Monday Night Raw for Monday night. Now, yes, it's kind of a story, but on Monday night, two Southern powerhouse college football teams were playing for the national championship which probably got the attention of a lot of men who might normally watch wrestling. There is an excuse built in for WWE. I'm not going to go all trashing fast nationals and building things up like that, but you know, it's, it's important, but it's one of those things where I kind of go, okay, let's, let's have them do it on a week where there's not a, the national title game for college football. That's all. Yeah. I, I, I'm not, gonna put too much stock into this uh, although i mean i think if you're wwe and you've seen where the long-term trend is going every little blip that you get closer to this has to be alarming even if you've got a built-in excuse this week maybe 0.39 is as good as it gets <laughs> in the demo in the demo for raw yeah uh okay that's the news portion no sponsor this week. So we go directly into the lazy river, a little lazier than usual, given last week's just day by day thing of nonstop wrestling news. Chris, what did you watch this week that you wanted to talk about? Well, I mean, first and foremost, I gotta, I gotta talk about my favorite show. Never miss a week. Monday night raw. 
Oh, are you going to read about Raw for the kids? Yeah. Oh, okay. oh yeah. Because I watched the national title football game. I didn't watch a lot of this. I got uh, yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, so it's, this is going to be cool. All right. So the Royal Rumble continues to take shape, Jeff. Paul Heyman <laughs> and Brock Lesnar came to the ring to open the show with a promo. <laughs> Hold on. I need to ask. Did random people just declare and ran- other people have to uh, have to uh, qualify? We'll have to read on to find out, but I feel like that's a pretty, <laughs> that's a safe prediction. Uh, Lesnar and that Heyman, as good as it gets. <laughs> they get interrupted by Lashley and MVP. Uh, and I guess it looks like mostly Lashley and Lesnar spoke with one another. So that's interesting. Um, after Lesnar left, the Hurt Business team of Sheldon, uh, Benjamin, and Cedric Alexander, I almost called him Shelton Alexander, uh, attack Lashley. Because uh, <laughs> of course they did. They attacked Lashley. Yeah, right. They didn't even. Yeah. Well, because Lashley's the baby face here in Lesnar's. They're a thing. plot point. The Hurt Business is always a plot point. To get, you know, Bobby Lashley will kill him. And then they're going to just. Uh, it's just it's I mean, I, I guess like, they're yeah, I mean, they're the Hurt Business, but like the disgruntled. I mean, they're really a plot point because they've never really finished that storyline. It's too bad. That was actually an OK storyline yes. last year that they completely ruined. Uh, Dewdrop defeats Liv Morgan and Bianca Belair via pinfall. Uh, <laughs> she pins Morgan with the bonsai drop to get the title shot. So that's cool. Um, Alpha Academy defeat RK Bro to win the titles. A so little shocking. That was that was a bit of a surprise. Orton was on a roll. He gets distracted by Otis. That allows for Chad Gable to make the blind tag to Otis, and Otis hits the front slam on Orton. To win the title so it's not even riddle who's the uh, even more interesting yeah yeah um i i guess maybe that's to solidify the orton heel turn so that orton will blame riddle but it's not actually riddle's fault it's one of them's fault. throwing the other out at the rumble yeah something yeah. like that yeah um apollo cruz dolph ziggler and robert rude defeat the street profits and damian priest via pinfall wow seth rollins <laughs> defeats Big E via pinfall Wow. Uh, so Big E just getting downcycled pretty hard here. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, he had an interview this week where he was like, "Man, I really wanted the way I lost the title be like a five course meal," and it's just like, uh-huh. "Me too, buddy. Me too." <laughs> Get in line, kid. I'm sure Kofi did as well. Nikki Ash turned on Rhea Ripley, so Nikki yeah. Ash is now the heel. Here's the thing: the Nikki Ash character works infinitely better as a diluted, like heel superhero. They won't do anything good with it because it's no, just they won't. It, they, yeah, but yeah. with Nikki, they but, could do something interesting. Like, oh, they could, I they know. They could have made I her know. an antihero. As I, a, I, yeah. Let Nikki write her own story. Yeah, give her, tell her this is your character. Write a story with this, yes. and I bet you it's awesome, especially she, with Rhea's help. She could be she I mean, they're going to make her into the hurricane. But what she could be is uh, she could be uh, sanity Nikki in a mask and it would be yeah. damn cool. But I don't think that's going to happen No, Almost defeats Nick Sanders. That's too bad. I had a lot of hope for Nick Sanders, especially <laughs> in this match. A lot of money on him. A full uh, kid, I think I think he's a friend of uh, I think he's a friend of old WrestleNomics guy, I, I think. I don't and know. then AJ Styles defeats Austin Theory. Um, because I guess Theory and uh Waller are now a tag team. Um, that's great. Waller isn't on uh <laughs> Waller was just visiting though, right? That, that's I, it, the thing. I, I just don't for cross promotion. Are I they mean, gonna bring him up now? Or I mean it's because it's because because from watching uh from watching NXT, it didn't look like they're bringing him up because they beat him. 
I don't know. Um, yeah. Because, like, I mean, him in theory seem to be, like, getting closer and closer in look, and that just makes me think <laughs> – no, it makes me think that they're going to end up being a tag team. They're morphing into one person. They're going to be yeah, one Yeah, they, they really, yeah. It, 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 they, what did they call him? Aussie Theory. Oh, no. Um, and, and that was Monday Night Raw. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You get a display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying... Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network i am gonna give some love on my first lazy river pick we got other lazy river picks to go, but I'm going to give some love to Impact Wrestling, a, a place that we do not talk about here very much. But I did watch the Hard to Kill event. Their women's division is quite good. The they had a the first time a Ultimate X match featuring the women that was insane to watch. Like Jordan Grace trying to climb, she was climbing cables because she's hella strong. But it's like one of those things where. This is how NXT used to innovate with the women. And that's what I was thinking this whole time. And they're allowed to go out there and be physical and beat on each other and do high spots that are insane. And it was a hell of a match. And combined with the Deanna Perrazzo, Mickey James 
hardcore match, which got insane with thumbtacks. And there was a, uh, how do I put this? A crotch grab in there to pass by, which was a little rated R. But uh, yeah, it was a fun thing. Now they're going to be doing going heavy into uh, the Ring of Honor "Quote unquote invasion angle as the as the kingdom and Vincent and PCO and Roxy were all there. Roxy just dropped uh, the Ring of Honor women's title to Deanna Prazo on this past Thursday's Impact. So it looks like there's a there's a big rumor that she's been signed by the uh, by the Stamford Empire and it might be on her way to NXT and that would seem to indicate that. But uh, you know if you if you're not watching enough wrestling or if you're looking to pare down some and go to the uh, go find other stuff that might be a little bit more interesting you could do worse than impact impact's not a bad little company it just it a lot of their stuff just feels a little bit derivative at times to me but the talent all tries hard and they're all not bad talent as well look uh Oh, Mickey James is coming back to WWE, but like I, I, I'm a fan of Mickey James. Oh, big fan, and I'm a yeah. big fan of Deanna Perrazzo as well. She got yeah, you know, right. Like, like yeah, there's just so there's a number of people in that company who are good, and I, I have to assume they are having good matches. I guess. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's just like I feel like well, we we really seldom do take a week off, so I, you know, I, I I'm never finding myself wanting for more. Yeah. <laughs> Your turn, sir. Um, all right. Uh, I guess let us talk about NXT. Um, I'm ready to gush. I'm ready to gush, Chris. About NXT? About one thing on NXT. Okay. I was going to say, I was like, I, I mean, this, not this the is... show as a whole, but what do I like in my wrestling, Chris? What are the two things I like? Tag team wrestling and we'll crowbar on a on a pole matches <laughs> bad men doing bad things and unrepentant stupidity okay and windy chew is the best karen q is we said when she got signed she can find her niche in here she's great at comedy they take care of her she's gonna be great i know there's a lot of aew fan oh, they just have their own orange casting blah 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 the hell would they do She's better than Orange Cassidy in terms of the gimmick to me. Because what is she? She's narcoleptic Taz is what she is. She wrestles in pajamas. She falls asleep on the top turnbuckle. She gets tagged in, and then she starts suplexing fools. And I was here for it, and I laughed my ass off. Look, I like Orange Cassidy. Don't get me wrong. I love Wendy Chu. I love this character. I, I mean, but like Wendy Chu is already with this character already shown that there's just a level of intensity yes. that is higher than what you get out of Orange Cassidy. I agree. Orange Cassidy during the attempts to heat him up last year that didn't work out, um, or I guess two years ago now that didn't work out, if he had shown, like he got busted open that one time, and if he had just like sort of leaned into that and like, Shown that, like, once you crack the veneer or whatever, he turns into like a savage. Yes. Uh, yeah, he would have been a made man. That for would me. have been character development <laughs> up the Yazoo. Yeah. See, what I don't want, I never want Wendy Chu to get a title shot. I never want her on that level. Much no, like, because because you all you need her hot spot to be so over like it needs to be almost like a superpower, and so is, to that point she can't be in the like it needs to be so yes. oped that like it wouldn't make sense to make her a champion. She's there for the comedy mostly, and I'm good with that. You know that that was my problem with Orange Cassidy was you know when they tried to heat him up, 
he continued to be comedy and they and you were right if they had just turned flipped the switch right there boom done he would have been a made guy but they didn't and now he's back to doing his spots and it's one of those things where it's like he'll he might win a tnt title down the road but it's gonna be one of those ironic win type of things i think rather than well, I you know, be an ironic win, and more importantly, you'll judge it by the title defenses, and the title defenses will be nothing remarkable whatsoever. Like, like there won't be any great Orange Cassidy programs. Um, I mean, it, it remains a problem telling stories with Orange Cassidy because you have this lethargic baby face who nothing seems to yes. bother. Yes. Uh, it, it's just not a great character story. Yes. Now, what did you want to talk about on NXT? Um, I guess I was going to start with Santos Escobar versus Zion Quinn. Um, because this is <laughs> this is them setting up Escobar to go after Braun Breaker, which I think is a smart move. Um, I, I like look Breaker. He's great, Escobar. Escobar is great. Yeah. Yeah. Breaker is going to need to be carried through these matches, and yep. like when we talked about what who do they have there who can keep Breaker protected throughout this Escobar and Legado del Fantasma can tie up can tie up breaker for several months here like they can that can take him through at least a takeover potentially two takeovers if the program really kind of takes off um and you know I don't Electra Lopez I think is is a small doses person who's been getting served up in medium to large doses recently that kick in the yam bag man that uh, that was a three point shot right there. That uh... <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think this is smart. I think I think both NXT and AEW now have their title holders in what I consider smart programs for their collective growth. I think uh, Breaker it needs veteran presence to to help him go through it. And given that oh, they've you you like the Archer pull for Page, I like having a guy that he can beat. That's bigger. I, I, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. And, and, and I almost, I guess, would have been fine with Archer as the first challenger for that. He's, he's um, definitely the first challenge type guy to me. Well, and, and then my problem with that segment, since we're already into it now, is is that Dan Lambert coming out there. Yes. Talking about Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. Um, I, I mean, did we not talk about that on microphones last week prior? I'm not saying like that got lifted, but it was just like weird to see this literally get played out as like a bait and switch sort of tease play of like, oh, okay. Lambert and I, I mean, I guess the setup here is that Lambert and Scorpio and all those guys are going to attack Page after Page beats Archer. Like the Archer program is going to be a fairly quick program, but I, I, I don't know, man. I, I just, I thought that that whole segment's energy was weird. Um, I, Dan I Lambert and what they've got Dan Lambert saying these days. Yes. Seems super counterproductive to me. I agree. I, th- I found the energy weird, but we'll get back to NXT in a second. But this is a lazy river. We can go where the hell we want. Uh, <laughs> it flows. That's it the whole flows. point. The, the problem with the energy in the Dan Lambert, Adam Page, Ted a Tet there is that Dan Lambert was exactly right. Adam, Page, Adam Page is not a great cowboy character. Cowboys are strong, silent types. And Page's response was straight out of Chris Jericho and WWF circa 2002 with the, oh, you look like a walking Facebook uh, account or something like that. And 
kind of doing the rock cutesy stuff where all he had to do I, I, was actually be- like you could see the clear evolution between walking facebook account and terrence and philip i i'll go with you on that i'll go with you on that <laughs> the the he needed this need he needed to be intense or just the strong silent type or something i need fire out of adam page and this emo cowboy thing i know that the w or not the wwe but the aew faithful is like no he's a modern He's like one of us type of, th- I, I just, I, look, I don't want to go cornet here, but I'm close. I just think he needs to give off some, something more of a vibe rather than easy going. I do. I think he needs to be, he needs, to, he was easy going with that, Dan, with Danielson and it, and it ended up getting him into these bloody matches. I want that progression to go where he learns and, and, yeah, the, the vibe was totally uh, right. Okay, the th- that's a good, that's a great place to put this. What did our champion, our hero, what did he learn at the end of the Brian Danielson feud? There was nothing in that segment to sort of illustrate what is it that Page learned. Yes. Nothing in his reaction to Lambert to illustrate that he had learned something from feuding with Brian Danielson, one of the best in the world. Like, there was no growth. Like, this is the Seinfeld champion right now. And we need page to be growing and moving in a serialistic way it's it's a different problem than what aew has as a whole for me for the story development thing and let me see if you agree with this because this is a point i brought up in the other neighborhood the other night they have a they have an issue with where they'll do a beat of the story and then they won't do the next beat they'll just circle back to the first beat and do it again a couple times they've done it now with sheeta and deeb the Statlander, uh, Layla Hirsch angle is. I just feel like we've been just treading water with MJF and Punk. Best friends and and uh, and and Cole slash Buck slash Red Dragon. It, it it feels like there's nothing. I mean, it feels like we keep repeating ourselves rather than walking down the road. That's that's the weird. Yeah, thing. I, I mean, I think they go well. These are chapters in the story. Well, chapter two does not. It's not okay be to the have same tra- as chapter one. Right, chapter two can't be the same thing as chapter one. Chapter one does something. It builds to chapter two, which is something different. Um, yeah, no, I, I I'm with you. I feel like so often when I watch AEW, I'm like, oh, okay, we're still doing this. Um, I, and I, I guess that kind of gets me into another topic here of uh, Wardlow and Punk. Um, I I like the match. I think Wardlow and Punk have really interesting chemistry, but I think the story is really weird and really whack. And like, War, it's beggars believe that Wardlow didn't finally blow his top. That was the time to turn him. Right. No, he has to. <laughs> no, because it needs to sink in for Wardlow that, like, he theoretically had the biggest win of his career right there. And, like, commentary did start putting that over to their credit. They tried to do other things. But the blocking in the ring just was not consistent with where Wardlow's headspace should be at this point. Yeah. He, he should hate MJF. He, he uh, and like, and, and that should have been blinding. Even though, even though MJF, I get the responsibility, but MJF owns him, Chris. I get that. But at this moment, what MJF has done this time is so egregious that Wardlow blows his top. And maybe MJF is able to cool him down and crack the whip, his money whip, at Wardlow and settle him back down. But that time, MJF or Spears or somebody should have, Spears should have gotten powerbomb, but Spears should have gotten like tossed out of the ring. Like, like nothing, like, like, like a sack of nuts. Um, and MJF should have like stared at that 
and like been like, you don't really want to do this and, and cooled Wardlow down. But we should have actually seen Wardlow lose it for real. We should have seen him lose, not via flash small package as well. It should have been like a DQ or or something to that effect. MJF should have gotten him counted out. Bad advice. Something yeah, about bad, bad advice, advice, bad advice something to that effect. And, just, and there was a little bit of MJF being involved in the finish, but I'm with you. I think that I, in addition, look, Wardlow shouldn't have gotten pinned by a small package because he wasn't tired. Um, the idea that CM Punk is a master of the small package such that he could <laughs> overpower Wardlow, a guy who's been kicking his ass for 10 minutes um, and he's got no, st- like, that's what I'm saying. Like, Wardlow should have lost by countout. Yeah. Punk should have been on his back, flat on the mat. And, like, the referee should have been simultaneously counting a 10 count for CM Punk to stand up, which he was not going to be able to make, and a 10 count for Wardlow to make it back into the ring. And, and Punk was two seconds behind. So all Wardlow had to do was walk back into the ring, and Punk's not going to stand back up, and Wardlow wins the match. It, like, it needs to be, it just needed to be starker, clearer. Like, it, this nuancey thing didn't do anything. I, you, you might go, oh, it's more plausible, but. This is wrestling. Nothing's plausible. It's all about effective. And it was that effective. I didn't think so. And with that, it reminds me, I'm going to circle back to NXT. Okay. Because there were a couple of ridiculous, like, like their character development and story development in AEW is sometimes lacking, but the wrestlers are far more interesting in terms of the people that are in there. We go to NXT and you have Braun Breaker in his promo talking about his dad, who we can't mention on the air. We have Gable Stevenson's brother wrestling on this show. And they mentioned that he was a wrestler at the University of Minnesota. From the same place where Gable Stevenson is. the same place where Gable Stevenson went, and they didn't use this at all. I'm just like, this is when you are high on your own supply way too much about how great you are building characters when really you're building stereotypes of time i'm just like that line floored me i'm like that's his brother why not just (laughs) yeah so you can take it you can take interesting and make them boring and you can take boring and make it interesting but for some reason we always go the opposite way we should be going on these things so it's just weird man yeah i mean look the rest of the show was just weird sort of defines it right um, Pete Dunn versus Tony D'Angelo. Uh, <laughs> this Tony D'Angelo character stinks. I, yeah, well, I mean, the character stinks, but he's good at it, and he's he, also no. not bad for his like fourth match in the ring. I mean, he, he hasn't had more than ten matches, and he's got charisma. It's yes. just like it's like this character. It's so viciously it's derivative. A, it's a sketch comedy character, is what it is. Yes. Yeah. Like it's like a guy who runs mafia pizza. Like, yes. like if you needed to make, yeah, you, you needed to make the, maybe it's the owner of mafia pizza. Such, such an on brand thing. Yes. They should do. <laughs> hey, what, what are you going to call this? Uh, what are you going to call this restaurant? Mafia pizza. <laughs> what are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, launder money through it. Hey, hey, we got ovens. 
I just <laughs> just two cops going. Now you guys aren't doing anything illegal here at Mafia Pizza, are you? No, no, sir, we're not. And you know, two guys are like hauling a <laughs> hauling a body in the background, putting, putting it into the oven. Yeah, so they're like hiding in the trash. <laughs> Mafia Pizza. I mean, that's just a that's just a name, right? Oh yeah, Mafia. No, we're it's. <laughs> No, it's not just a name. It's a flavor. A family name that's been passed on for generations. My God, that's good. (laughs) Like, I just, yeah, I I mean, you're right. Like, otherwise, he's fine. It's just like this show, these characters are boring, dude. Like, they're boring. And it's not even kitschy in the way that like watching the old WWF from like 1990 with all like the, you know, dumpster man, Duke, the dumpster drawsy and, you know, repo man and all those sorts of characters have like some sort of kitschy fun to them, even though like they're also goofy. Or Lucha Underground. Lucha Underground had kitschy fun within, you know. They had a number. Yeah. They had a number of those guys like famous B and stuff like that. Lots yeah. of kitschy fun. Um, this isn't even that like, like the, these aren't fun. These aren't fun characters to watch. You don't want to, and even worse, these are characters who are written a lot of times in ways that they don't even naturally sort of lend themselves to interactions with one another. Like the Joe Gacy character. I don't think they ever thought about like, okay, like when Joe Gacy interacts with people, what does he do? Well, it was like, well, he can abduct people. Okay, what else? <laughs> what like what what else can he do when he interacts with them? Yeah. I <laughs> uh the best feud right now going. The one that keeps my interest everywhere. Unfortunately, it's on Twitter, but I'll take it. FTR and the Briscoes are effing killing it on the promos going back and forth. If you haven't had a chance to see the last one, the Briscoes cut and the last one FTR cut, which came out today, do yourselves a favor and go out and watch these things. They are, they are intense. They are angry. If you're a smart fan, you know they're they're kayfabe. They break the fourth wall a little bit, but not enough for me to take me out of it. I want to see these guys fight. I want to see this the, them cut these things on TV and not just have, you know, we're the best team. No, we're the best team. I want some intense promos on television. And I want these promos on television, Chris. You know, I, I watched this, and what I was thinking about as I was watching it was it really speaks to the disconnect in the presentation of FTR. Great tag team. Yeah. They do really great and interesting character work on Twitter that does not get translated over to the dynamite show on a regular basis. And I think a lot of the things that they're doing on dynamite right now are actually undermining them. And as I watch Twitter, then these sort of Twitter style promos and that's the thing I am look the midnight express homage thing. Is that helping? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, like I, I love the midnight express. I liked it for two weeks and now I like it for two derivative. weeks. I, I, I like that. I like them even doing it on special occasions. Um, the, yeah. the, like on a big match or big whatever shows for yeah. big shows, do the cosplay stuff. The, yeah. They'll do, yeah, they'll do the midnight express thing or, you know, like I, I'm fine with that, but uh, I think that I'm interested in FTR operating more of a 
gray character space where they're two guys who are real serious and real into themselves and take the business real seriously. And sometimes that makes them heels. And sometimes it makes them like defenders of the tradition and it makes them like baby faces. Jerks with a point. Yeah, jerks with a point. And like, I, I think that there's just a much more compelling character that can be done outside of Pinnacle which is a useless faction, especially for them. And especially and, with the way they've now turned Sean Spears into another cl- to, into clown again. When he was serious, he was kind of interesting. Now he's back to being comedy. And MJF also, when he goes into comedy, I don't, I, you know, it's just one of those, the, the accountability buddy stuff. Uh, yeah. I, I don't want, I don't want them associated with that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I'm with you. So um, it just, it, it, I want to see FTR doing different things and watching this promo only sort of furthered that, that I'm interested in a more gray presentation of FTR still trending towards black, but like more gray um, and more, more muted. Uh, Do you have anything else for the lazy river? I don't think so. No, I don't. I have one last thing because I watched uh, NXT UK this week. I watched the send off for Walter versus Nathan Frazier. And it's everything this company. <laughs> Do you want to see a microcosm of booking logic in this company? Look no further than Walter and Nathan Frazier. Fun match. David versus Goliath match. Walter beats him down. Nathan Frazier comes back with a lot of speed stuff. Almost gets to the point. And we just have Walter beat him as opposed to putting him over on the way out. <laughs> I got one last item too. Uh, the the acclaimed versus Bear Country section of Dynamite this week was baffling to me. So, so? Um, the acclaim overcome Bear Country, yeah. um, and Max Caster is sort of like beginning to be a little more baby face like. He's you know interacting with the fans. He's like high fiving. He's doing all the things that they tell you to do when you're supposed to be a baby face and all of that. And he's doing this as they're leaving the ring only to get attacked by Sting and Darby Allen. And the crowd sort of doesn't really know how to... The crowd is not excited to see the Acclaim get attacked by Sting and Darby Allen. Oh, really? Okay. I think it was just unexpected because of... uh, They they brought up Sting and Darby in the rap pre-match. Yes, yeah. And then post match they got the attack. I, I don't. Uh... I no. I get that they set it up. I okay. think that they they missed the mark here, and that the acclaimed are more over with the fan base than I think the booking necessarily envisioned them. Like the acclaimed beating Bear Country, like people were behind the acclaimed beating Bear Country. They weren't rooting for Bear Country to crush the acclaimed. No, they were they were ahead of the curve. Yeah, and they're 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 fun heels, and that's a right. problem with fun heels. They're 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 they've now really gone into. And we've made this comparison before. They're a new year, new age outlaws country because they pop for uh, Bowen's screaming, you know, his voice box out the name of the city. Yeah. As and, opposed and, to rooting and for Caster's raps killed. Caster's yeah. raps also don't slag on the crowd anymore. They slag on the opponent, which is or fun. the sports city, the local sports town, or whatever. You know, it's one of the it's it, it's very Miz like in some ways, shall we say? Yeah, no, I, I'm feeling it. They've, they've made a turn here that, that, you know, but I think like Caster has the ability to turn that back. We're just going to see if he gets encouraged or not to do it. 
Yeah, no, I I know he has the ability to turn that back. It's just it, it this match was just it was a strange beat because if you want to have Darby and Sting get come out there and beat up the acclaimed afterwards, by all means do that. Keep the acclaimed heel, by all means do that. But like don't put the acclaimed in a tag team match where they're working as the underdogs and they overcome Bear Country like without like really any serious deviousness. What they do they got they and the worst part was what they did they like roped him they like yeah. one of the guys, yeah, yeah, one of the guys, yeah. Like, is that's not even illegal? That like, like, you know, like, like that's just a move. Like, you just do that. Yeah, the the number of things that have become legal in professional wrestling, I think, is is one of those things that have kind of hurt heels in some ways. Like, you can just put people through tables willy nilly, and it's not a DQ anymore. I mean, but the rope thing you see baby faces yes. do too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like they it, sometimes they'll like go from the inside of the ring to the outside of the ring and then rope. I mean, it's just like the idea that that was the heel way of procuring the win was was silly. Um, I, I so I, I just thought that this segment was was a bit of a swing and a miss. Um, but but you know, other than that, I, I mean, I don't have much to say. I found, I, I'm I, ready for the acclaimed as baby faces though. I, I, like I found them. the entire show on Wednesday to be kind of uh, meh. Other than the main event, I did like Daniel Garcia and Sammy Guevara. I thought Man, that was Deep, a Deep and Sheeta really underdelivered for me. I, yeah, I, that was I just a write-off. That was a plot point. You yeah, don't, you can't yeah. do that in the what fourth match that they've had on TV. Now, I mean, that was the weird part about it. Is like it was just scripted to be that. That's probably you know your second match that you put in there type of thing. Yeah, it was just a lot of uh, a lot of chess piece moving without moving them. That that was my issue this week with, with that. But uh, Gonna end it there because Jeff has to pack for a flight. Chris has to go to a gig at oh, uh yes. yeah yeah so so yeah, uh, you can follow me at Crap Game Thirteen. You follow Chris at DWATG and just follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. If you'd like to donate to help keep us going on this thing, uh, go to RedCircle.com. Look up Shake Them Ropes. There's a donation button there. Have not plugged it enough, but there are apparently shows on Voices of Wrestling that do pretty well on in that uh, that realm. We'll see if we can earn your your ducats. Chris also you, you know you know what they they you sign up uh i don't know what our pay scales are but i'll, I'll record like versions of theme songs if people really want them there you go yeah give him the money to do stuff yeah <laughs> you sign up you can get a copy of a theme song you name you name the theme song like a classic well, these 80s, are these 90s. are like one-time donation type things not recurring type things you get, there's a donate button up there on the page oh is there there's a there's a donate yeah. button yeah okay. it's, it's a bucket not not just the patreon which oh, okay. is okay. dormant, but we still get five bucks a month from it or something like that. It's not bad. Huh? Thanks. Thanks for those who have stuck around on that. Anyways, yeah, Chris, does a, Chris has another Patreon that deals with politics. It's called Don't Worry About the Government. Who's going to tell you about that now? Don't Worry About the Government is a patreon.com slash DWATG. You can check out the show there. I put out a two-parter a couple of weeks ago. You know, like I, I, I've got gigs and stuff, so I'm doing it like you know, a couple times a month, a few times a month here at this point. Um, I will be appearing on blocking heads tv in the going away uh, uh i believe someone is leaving the network there sometime soon so i'll actually be making an appearance on blogging heads here on sunday i didn't realize that was still in operation to be honest yeah yeah and talk and i'm gonna be talking about thomas friedman one of my favorite people <laughs> in the whole wide world like, I, like when i got i got the offer to go and talk about thomas friedman i said yes so quickly um so if you want to check that out, you can check that out over at bloggingheads.tv. Don't worry about the government's at don't worry worry.tv, patreon.com slash DWATG on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Thomas Friedman can tell you all about mafia pizza. <laughs>